Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship today um, on a sunny morning. Seems to be a change this summer, so welcome uh, as we come to worship. Uh, as we draw around the Lord's table today, we do so to remember his life, his death, his resurrection, uh, the sacrifice that he has made for each one of us, and the fact that that's available for us today, that that power and that freedom uh, can be in our lives, uh, through all of our lives uh, today. Here's some verses of Scripture as we begin. This is how God showed his love amongst us, that he sent his one and only Son into the world that he might live through him. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so he might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you. Whether we've gathered here in person or online this morning, gathering and setting aside time to be in your presence and to focus on you. We pray in this moment that by your Spirit we'd be able to clear away the clatter and the clutter uh, of our daily lives that we have allowed to distract ourselves from you. We know that that is important to you and that you can work in and through every aspect of our lives. And so as we focus on you, we take this time that we've set aside to lay our hearts bare before you in the knowledge that your promises are true, strong, and faithful. In your precious name we pray. Amen. It feels a wee bit weird because you haven't been standing here in a couple of weeks. Um, but um, yeah, it's nice to be back. Um, it's nice to have some time um, away with family and friends. But it's good to be back uh, amongst family uh, and friends uh, again uh, as well. Um, You've probably heard me share a little bit of this uh, before, but whenever I became a Christian at the age of 13, it was Church of Ireland all my life. Um, grew up um, there, that's part of uh, the family. Um, and at a mission in our church at the age of 13, um, I committed my life to Jesus um, and became a Christian. Got saved. Whatever label you want to uh, put in that, my faith came alive. Whatever label you want to put on that, um, something happened to me that night where I knew that I needed Jesus more than I did myself. And the unfortunate thing for me was I didn't do anything with that for nearly five years and became very quiet and shy. And I know whenever I say that, you find that hard to believe. Um, but at that stage, I was quite shy and retiring. And I didn't do anything. I didn't tell anybody other than my mum and dad what I had done and the commitment that I had made. Uh, and in a sense, there's a deep sense of regret in me around that. Uh, a deep sense that I could have had another five years of really living uh, for Jesus that I didn't do and that I wasn't out there for him. And so then I went to university at the age of 18 and fell in with a crowd. Most people go to university and fall away from church and from Jesus. I went to university and did the opposite. Um, I fell in with a crowd who thought I needed Jesus uh, because they couldn't see much of him in me. Um, and so I recommitted my life. A little room um, in Portrush, tiny little box room that I was renting um, that overlooks the police station um, in Portrush, actually, um, in Eglinton Street. Um, and from that moment, I prayed that prayer that I would never again be quiet uh, for God. Um, that was my promise to him. Um, but something shifted in me that night. Not just that I would talk about God more, but my personality shifted. And I can look back now and see that that was in preparation for what it is that he's called me to do in, in this moment. And it still remains a complete mystery as to how that happens, why that happened to me, and why God called me into ministry. Um, why he called me to be a son of his, a child of his, still in some senses remains a, a mystery. It remains a mystery on some senses because 
I can't quite believe it that God would look at me and see worth and value in me and choose me. In the other sense, I can totally understand that because I know that God loves uh, unconditionally. God gives us grace and mercy uh, with unending effort. Um, and so in one sense, I can see why. And in the other sense, it still remains a bit of a mystery. Because every day is not perfect. Every day is different. And as the Scriptures teach us, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all continually, as we've already done in this service, need to come back to Him and say sorry for the things that we have done wrong. And so in verse 25 today, whenever it says, I do not want to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers and sisters, so you may not be conceited. Paul's saying, look, there's stuff goes on with God that we can't fathom, that sometimes we cannot get our heads around. Um, but it happens. And sometimes we just need to kind of go with that before God reveals the purpose of it down the line. I didn't understand or realize in that little tiny room in England Street in Port Rush that one day I'd be standing at the front of a church wearing a dog collar, uh, talking to people at the front. That would have been a complete anathema to me. But yet now, it's almost commonplace for me to do that. It's second nature for me to stand in front of you and do it. And so the mystery that we experience sometimes, that sense of not understanding what it is that God is doing in the moment, in those times we need to trust that what He does is best and better than what we know. But it's deeper than that in this verse because Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery so that you cannot be conceited. Israel experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. There's a sense here that God is saying, it's a mystery why some people harden their hearts to me. If we know that God loves us, that God is gracious to us, that God is merciful to us, that He gave His life for us, then it's a complete mystery as to why some people's hearts would remain hard towards that offer. But yet that is the case. But this scripture also tells us that this deliverer will come from Sion, that Jesus has already come. Remember, this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing. So Jesus has already come. Uh, he's lived his life. He's died. He's rose again. The early church is beginning. Uh, and so he's saying that the deliverer will come from Sion. He's saying this is about Jesus' second coming. Isn't it he will come again in great and glorious manner? And whenever he will return to call those who know him home to their eternal home forever. The culmination of salvation for everyone, as this piece of scripture says. When everything will come together, all the pieces of the jigsaw will fall into place and the big picture will be revealed. And everybody will go, ah, that's what was going on. I see it now. But until that day, we hold our own little piece of the jigsaw with our responsibility to play our part in the narrative that God is unweaving before us. See, God is faithful, and He will never break His promise. Verse 27 says, And this, my covenant with them, when I take away their sin. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies of your account, but as far as the election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. God gives to us our personalities. We're all different. It's wonderful that we are. 
It would be awful if there was a hundred odd James Boyd sitting looking back at me today. I think it would be awful if there was a hundred individuals of you looking at me today. We're all different. We're a mixture gathered together in the beauty that is God's church, his body. And it gives to each of us different gifts, different skills, different abilities to play our part so that the whole thing can come together. Not only does he give us gifts, but he calls us into certain places and in certain ways to do certain things. Maybe to play a guitar or a keyboard or a piano. Maybe to read a lesson or to pray. To cook burgers. Because we see the smoke arising. Not a fire outside you, okay. Um, to set out chairs. To do whatever it is that God has called us to do in this community. And today, it's tinged with sadness because we will say goodbye to the Campbell family. As they move on, they're not leaving us completely because they're still going to be in this world and we're still going to probably see them and bump into them. But as Gareth has been amongst us for the last year, your gifts have been clear, Gareth, in this place. You've shown them to us. You've exercised them in this place. You've developed in your preaching and your pastoral ministry and your leadership is evident amongst us. We can see that. And from the comments that I've had over the last number of weeks as we've sort of people have said, oh, when does he actually go and when's our final Sunday and all of those things, the comments that have been said to me have been positive on how those gifts have been used and seen and evident in this place. And so today for us is us saying thank you to you uh, for everything that you have done for us in this place. You've made your mark in this community of faith, your openness, your honesty in sharing from this space from this place and applying God's word into our lives has had an impact on our lives and on our faith. The salvation that you carry as a family is wonderful. It's evident. The joy that's contained in there is seen. As a family, you've slipped in and joined us with ease. I think that's fair to say. You kind of feel as if you've been here far longer than just a year. It really does, actually. Um, you've fitted in, you've slipped in, you've got on with things. Um, and as a family, we've really appreciated your presence in this place um, over the last year. And so as you go, our prayers go with you. Because we know that God has a purpose and an irrevocable call for you in the rest of your ministry. Our prayers that you would operate not in your strength, but within the calling that he places upon you as an individual, as a minister in his church, and as a family. Your story doesn't end here, thankfully. Neither does ours. Our story doesn't end as you go. Our story continues and we build in the foundation that you're a part of leaving in this place. And so in a sense, as a family of God, we continue a journey of faith together. The mystery that lies before us is the God that we worship. Verse 33 of our reading today says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. We don't know what lies ahead of us. But we know that God not only goes with us, but that he goes before us, preparing the way. That's a promise we can stand on. That's a promise we can rejoice in. Sometimes we cannot fathom how wide and how high and how long is the grace and the love that flows from the cross of Calvary that we will celebrate as we 
break bread together today, as we share communion together today. We try to understand it. Yet as verse 34 tells us, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? We're not supposed to know the mind of Christ or to know that he, but only to know that he knows best. We can try to work it all out in our heads, but the God that we worship is far bigger than any of our human imaginations or human comprehensions. And so we rest on the simple promise that is contained within this passage of Scripture that God is with us that he is working out his gifts and his call amongst us. And we rest in the promise that the Lord has this for us, that he can surround us and keep us safe and hold us together. Scriptures are full of those promises not just this passage. And many of you will hold those promises as your favorite verse of Scripture. And if you've been about church any length of time, you'll probably have a verse of Scripture that resonates with you and that you carry as one of those verses that you return to over and over again. And it will contain a promise from God. I can't dare to imagine how big he is, how great he is. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. For the Lord is your shepherd. Whatever verse it is that you carry as that promise, stand on it today. We cannot, should not, and must not try to outgive God. Yet we can, should, and must give Him our all because he is worthy of everything that we have to offer. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you are present with us, that your presence brings strength and love and grace, but above all, your promises, promises that we can stand on today. We thank you that your call is irrevocable for us as believers, as Christians, whenever your spirit encourages us to become a member of your family, whenever we step forward into that, we are safe in your arms. That when you call us to take forward a piece of ministry or a, a call of action within our lives or within the life of the church or the community that we live in, give us strength to step forward and to do that. So whatever it is that you're calling us or whispering to us about today, may we have the grace to listen and know that you are worthy of everything that we can give. In your name we pray. Amen. We hear the blessing today. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, with the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.